Hello and welcome to Playing With Power Podcast, the podcast where we talk all about all things CDH, EDH, and Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Ashani, aka Jamaican Dude, and today we have fantastic, superb, awesome, and absolutely stunning humans with me today. Our guest, Mikey Hollihan and Zane Z-Rob from Eminence MTG. How are you gentlemen doing today? Doing swell. Uh, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. We're some pretty busy, so we got some long days, but glad you can just sit back, relax, talk with some wonderful people. Absolutely. Um calling me wonderful is pretty great, but you know, we try we try to to do good in the world. Um <laughs> but before we get started, we need to talk about TC Rockets. TC Rockets has one of the largest selection of toys, comics, and games in San Diego, with thousands of MTG cards being added to their online store every morning. You never know what deals you will find at tcrockets.com. You can also keep up with the game by tuning in to their Twitch streams every Tuesday and Friday for live paper magic and fuel up and check out TC Rockets today. Looking to pick up some fun CDH merch that also support our channel? Check out our store. We have a variety of clothing design and even Dragon Shield playing with power logo sleeves. Check out the podcast description for more info. And our Patreon shout out for this episode is Phoenix. Well, hello. Hello, Phoenix. Hope you're having a great day. I think I'm supposed to get lunch with that guy. Okay. All right. I know people. That's neat. All right. I mean, that's good. I I don't know Phoenix, and hopefully one day we'll get lunch together. I don't see this happening, but we can hope. But um, yes, we're here to talk about the new kids on the block, the new kids on the tournament scene, Eminence MTG. The two OGs, I assume, is who I'm talking to today. That is true. Founders, (laughs) the founders of Eminence. So, for who, for the people listening that don't know who or what is Eminence MTG, give me a breakdown. Uh, Eminence is just a tournament organization group that focuses on competitive Elder Dragon Highlander events currently. Uh, There might be plans in the future to expand, but right now we're just trying to do both uh, in person and webcam. Uh, tournaments to just give commander players more to, more chances to test their skills, really just give them an outlook because we know granted it all depends what area of the country that you're in or actually area of the world. A lot of places don't have a lot of good strong support for commander and something that Zane specifically noticed is that there wasn't really any good pairing software or really any good way to run tournaments. So him and I got together, he has the tech skills, I have a lot of tournament organization experience from past magic events I was also pretty heavily involved in the TO smash scene back when I was in Virginia. So we just kind of put our heads together and we were able to just fix a lot of the problems that we thought existed. And now we're trying to just make it so more people are able to run events so everyone can compete and really, you know, test either their pet deck or, you know, tune a list to wherever they think is the best for the format and just like have a good time. Like we like bringing people together and now we're just trying to get our software in the hands of as many people as possible. Yeah, we're just trying to throw those good commander events, you know, just come play, compete, hang out and all that good stuff. (laughs) The hanging out part is pretty good. I've, I am also part of um, 
that's the team. I I was picked up at the doorstep, and um, <laughs> uh, it, it's been great. Pun City, Pun City Two was great. Got to meet a lot of people. Even if you're bad at magic, you can still come hang out with a bunch of people that you've been playing with for years on Discord. Put a put a face to that name if need be. All right, so start with Zane. Tell me how Eminence came to be. Well, uh, at least from my perspective, uh, mm-hmm. coming out of COVID, there the pandemic, there used to be a lot of online events. So we had those webcam events, like uh, um, like the Playing with Power had a few webcam events. There was like the Founders Cup and whatnot. Um, and then there was like those cockatrice events as well with uh, uh, Oktober and whatnot. Um, no, they were okay. You know, like uh, I think it was just um, like I didn't think there's any major complaints on that end. It was just it was just okay because that that was the medium we had to play in. You can go outside and see people. Um, I mean, how I came into Making Eminence was actually after uh, Marchesa in March of this year, uh, which was like the first in-person CEG tournament in a while that wasn't like Tier 1 Con or something in Europe, which is kind of accessible for those of the people here I in the States. I one in the States in general, because like DDM yeah. had it. I was only, I don't remember the exact pandemic yeah. And it was pre-pandemic, it was only 30 to 40 people. Marchesa um, was like, a hundred some, I forgot the exact number once again, but it was around a hundred, which, you know, triple yeah. the size. It's about a hundred. Yeah. So going there and then participating in that, I, uh, it just felt like another, uh, discord event to me, um, that I had already been playing in online. Um, so I, uh, messaged Mikey and I was like, Hey, like, I think a lot of the stuff that's been established right now in the scene over the past two years is, been kind of online based and whatnot and i don't i don't really like that i don't want that to stick around i think uh i can make like a better software for this type of thing um i think we can run this better so if you ever want to do this like i'm down which i think mikey thought i was joking so he he didn't uh he didn't really hit me <laughs> he, he thought he thought i was just like upset that i scrubbed out at marchesa or something and was like complaining i don't know <laughs> yeah this wasn't surely how genuine it was because it was like I, 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 he gave the offer and I just knew like both him and I were busy and then it took me like another I think it might have been like two or three weeks I was like were you serious he's like yeah I was like all right time to hit the ground running and that's when we really started to like put the necessary steps in I recruited our whole team got Mike Bonney who's our director on board who honestly is the backbone of eminence like he just does so much stuff even if people don't realize it he's been fantastic and then yeah. I think he was really good casters um you know Saturday, it, that's where it started though. It really just started with like Zane and I, then we got Bonnie in and then once Bonnie became committed, it was like, oh wow, we actually have something great here that we can really build out. And now we've been around for five months around and we already have two major events under our belts and we have Silicon Dynasty coming up in a couple, in three months or so. Exactly. Yeah, like, like you guys entered the webcam scene pairing with a pretty big content creator playing with power. And I think I, um, I believe I haven't heard any complaints on the Twitterverse yet, but um, they're always a good sign. Yeah, the bird app isn't blowing up over something. When so. the bird app isn't blowing up with negativity, you've done something well. Yeah. And I believe, and I believe I haven't seen any complaints. So I think the Mox Masses series is a success, and I believe 
the partnership will continue to grow into something huge and even better. So what what is the future? What is the future of Evanus and DG? Just more big events that's, you know, we've only been around for a few months and the fact that we're able to expand the amount that we have, like our team has gotten bigger. We have a lot of connections now. We're starting to reach out to, we we already have a pretty strong presence on in the North, Northeast screen. You know, that's where Mike Bonnie and I are from. And obviously we're two people who are very involved with eminence. So we have a lot of connections with LGS is out here, but now we're starting to get some connections over on the West coast. There's been a lot of discourse recently about how those players feel like they've been kind of shunned from the community for one reason or another. We don't need to get into the politics of it there, but we noticed that there was clearly a gap. So we are taking Silicon Dynasty as a really good opportunity to start reaching out to all those people, form some relationships. We're going to try to get a few of the local vendors at the um, at the event. So cause, uh, for people who weren't at Pun City, we had four vendors who were there who were selling cards throughout the tournament. So if you needed something like last minute, a bunch of people, when they got their prize money, they <laughs> quickly gave it right back to the vendors and things like that. Yeah. But we're just trying to foster more relationships. And that's the main goal for Eminence. We want to be a nationally recognized organization. We want to be able to have events throughout the country and our, we have some big plans for nationals. Um, basically, we want to have all these individual events and then we want them to bottle up into a larger event near the end of the year. And kind of what our goal is basically to kind of be a command fest where we have so, we have like a large tournament as the focus, but it's more of just a celebration of commander. bit far away from that, but you know that's why we need more events. We need to pocket some of our money and then we can start to get a space where it could be big enough for that type of experience. Um so right now, we're just doing our best. We have a lot of merch. Mike Bonnie has been designing a bunch of random T-shirts, play mats, hats. Uh, just we're just trying to get our brand recognition out there because we are new, but we want people to know that w- even if we're new, we're here to stay, and we've already made a very large impact on the community, in my opinion, with the events that we're running and the ubiquity of our software once it becomes fully available, which will just make it so that there's even more tournaments happening. So we're just trying to have a positive impact on the community. The big thing that Mike always likes to uh, lecture to us, or not lecture, but um, emphasize for the Eminence team, as both of you have seen, is affordability, accessibility, and like respect. So we want to watch out for our players. We want all of our events to be affordable. Like We do our best to have good room blocks. We have the best to keep our ticket price fairly low. And we just want to have commander events be accessible for anyone who wants to go to them. And that's another reason why we're trying to hop around the country. So obviously, Philadelphia, it's kind of hard for someone from San Jose to get to, or you know, insert California City but it's really easy for people from Boston, New York, D.C., and that was a majority of people we saw at the tournament. So now we're trying to go West Coast to get that. We're trying to go South when we have the event in Atlanta called the Cookout, which I believe is in July. And then Nationals, the plan is to have it somewhere in the Midwest. We're not certain, uh, certain on city yet, but um, somewhere in the Midwest. <clears throat> All right. Well, awesome. Need people to go support the Silicon Dynasty on in January. Definitely go support everyone who's on the West Side. Um, West side. I know a few players there. I, I don't think I'll be at that one. I'm a Kentuckian, so that's a it's a ton of a trip for me, but <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see what's in the car. Well, that's what we have Atlanta coming up, right? <laughs> exactly. Definitely be Atlanta, definitely be at Philly, but the other side of the country that had. But as you said, we're we're um Eminence FDG is bouncing around to make sure all EDH players are happy and have a way to compete. Um, so with more tournament magic popping up, I believe there's a lot of tournaments that start happening like at the start of the year. Do you believe this has changed the meta um, 
um, of of CEDH or EDH at at the beginning a few months ago. I know there was this term being thrown around as TEDH. Do you believe that's a thing, or does people like to put labels on it? Uh, I'll let Zane talk a little bit more about how the meta's changed because he actually competes in events. And I just try to run things. Personally, I I hate the term TEDH. I also hate the term CEDH. It's all just commander, right? Like yep. we we're playing. Commander. Oh yeah. And the CEDH is playing commander at the highest level. Like I hate all these stupid numbers or not numbers, all these different acronyms that people use. It's at the end of the day, we're playing the same game. It's not like there's a different rule set. Like, I guess you could argue tournament commander has a time limit, but like, I don't care. It's not like you have modern and then tournament modern because it has a time limit. It's just modern. Right. <laughs> right. All these distinctions, like people try to sound smart. They try to be like, it just makes the community very exclusive in my opinion. And I think this is, this is a problem CEDH has had forever is just that it's been inherently exclusive. Yeah, and we, yeah, we don't want to be viewed as that. We just want it to be known as a commander organization. We're running commander events. Naturally, if you're playing in a tournament, you're trying to play the best deck, you're trying to win. So that gets these people who are in CEDH into it. But like, we just want to be marketed as commander. And that's what we're trying so, to promote. Yeah, commander, EDH, we're just high, Elder Dragon Highlander. That is what we want. Okay, awesome. All right, Zane, you're the competitor and also... Uh, organizer helping the organizer. Well, he what's your take? What's my take? Both sides of it on the yeah. meta and whatnot. Of, yeah, of sure. The meta. Do you think? Do you think the meta has changed since more tournaments has been uh, been been popping up? Uh, yes, definitely. It's actually something I can personally track as well because you know we take all the deck lists from every single event and we make it available and whatnot. So actually, you can go look at it too. Um, but yeah, you'll see in the beginning of the year, it was a more disparate, varied amount of decks. People were kind of just bringing what they've been playing or whatnot. Nothing really surprising going on there. Uh, but, you know, as more events have been happening, people, they want to win. They want a top 16. They want to brag to their friends or whatever, you know, win that prize money. Um, and you, And you see... In the most recent top 16s in the past few tournaments, like Mox Masters or Punt City or the Chaos events, uh, and I think you'll even see this in uh, Oktoberfest coming up, you're seeing some of the same decks popping up in the top 16 over and over again. And I'm not just talking about, like, one guy on Tropical Malcolm. I'm talking, like, you're seeing three blue farm decks from pilots you've never heard of. You're seeing uh, Najila show up pretty often, I think, on CEDH Guide, uh, Ken's website, you can see that Najila has like the most tops of like any deck. Um, you're seeing people bringing these decks more and more because they want to win. They want to win the event. They want to top the event. I think even like when I was looking at Punt City, um, when I I, I, I recall uh, the night before I was looking and I was like, wow, there's like eight Blue Farm lists and like seven Malcolm lists and whatever. And I was like, that, that's insane. Um, a lot I'm starting to see people who want to win just bring these decks and then they're making appearances in the top 16 um, so I think I think we'll start seeing some sort of convergence at least at the top of the ladder uh, you'll see the occasional um, uh, other deck like we just had in Mox Masters like Tivid and Tim Nalana and stuff like make the top four that's going to happen but you're going to be you're going to see uh I don't want to say homogenization, but I'm going to say homogenization of some of the top decks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I fully agree with everything Zane's saying. Like, even you look at Mox Masters, I think there was like three Blue Farm decks. There was two Rog Sai. There was um, a few other Grixis piles. Like, there was Armix Crom. There was uh, Vile Smasher, Malcolm, the Grixis Pirates list. 
Like you yeah. saw a clear trend, and then I think there was also an Adila list or two, and they're now on the more um, like Nas focused version, or not necessarily Nas focused, but like they have the Nas component, the breach component, and then they also do the combat stuff. So you're really yeah. just starting to see all these deck lists become more and more similar. And I'm a big proponent, like I think five cards between two lists is a huge difference. But still, like the Grixis shell is the same for all these decks, and even Najila, where you're playing a lot of other things. And we're definitely seeing these things come together now that people are just trying to win. I think when you look at the pool of, you know, Mox Masters was 128 players, you're going to see a lot of random one-offs. And even in top 16, there was a few one-offs. Like, that's just always going to happen, because, like, player skill, being able to catch people off guard. Like, no, I don't think anyone, you know this with Hulk, like... Hulk is a good strategy, but it also just kind of clowns on people because they don't understand how it works. And by the time they figure it out, it's too late because the Hulk is sacked and it's like, oh, whoops. And those types of decks will always continue to do well, but it's cool to see now. It's not a lot of these gimmicky decks, for lack of a better word, that made it to top 16. While they did, and Tivit won ultimately, and I, while I don't think that deck is very gimmicky, like it kind of fits in the similar niche where people don't really know what's going on. Yeah, uh, You see a ton of Grixis lists. I was even going to bring up Tivit because I'm very interested in seeing going forward into tournaments. Now we're seeing like a convergence of like, oh, it seems like Nas or Breach or whatever is the best thing to be doing in the format. I'm actually I'm very interested in seeing going forward what type of decks people start bringing to counter these types of strategies. I think it's going to happen. I think Tivit was a good example of that. Uh, it can support cards like Grafdigger's Cage and Rest in Peace and whatnot to counter these strategies. Uh, and then what people's responses to those decks will be, uh, seeing if some sort of rock paper scissors type deal emerges. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So that that kind of the question I was trying to lead to was, do you think like there is you're gonna like with all of this tournament happening, you you gonna start to see decks start to emerge as you said a bunch of Grixis core from Blue Form to Najila to Malcolm, whether um Grixis Malcolm, they started to emerge. Um, to to the top of the ladder. So I'm like, we still know that there's still all these slower um, mid-range stacks that is still entering the tournament. Like we, there was an Urza, Urza in the top sixteen, and also, um, we called my my dear Hulk a gimmick deck, but there was two <laughs> two Hulk decks also in the top sixteen. So. That that was cool to see, but I'm just saying there there's uh for all the people who are you know build their decks to prey on um the end all strategy. Do you think maybe they need to go back to the drawing board with it because you? I believe in the Swiss rounds you normally see a lot of those decks um in the Swiss, but they don't make it to the top sixteen. Is it because there's less copies of them, or maybe there's not a so-called? Um, there's not a meta buster a, deck. <laughs> a meta, there we go. A meta buster deck because there's no meta to bust, correct? Right. Or maybe is, is there a meta? Because we could say Tivit. Um, Tivit was a meta buster deck. I could say I could see Tivit as a meta buster deck, but um, a lot of these random decks people bring are not meta busters. I think iteration needs to occur um, to for them to be able to counter these strategies. And then on the other side, the playing Grixis and stuff, they need to be aware of what people are doing to stop them and update accordingly if they want to make it out of Swiss. Correct. To me, Where the is big thing is, I just wish that Commander players got this stupid notion out of their head that the game is like rock, paper, scissors, where there's like mid-range stacks and then turbo. 
and it's like stacks always beats turbo, turbo can prey on mid-range, mid-range preys on stacks. I just think it's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense to me, especially when these turbo decks are playing Grixis core or even Ajila. You're able to have that fast game plan and beat turbo for, you know, in quotes, but you're playing blue. You have bounce spells. You have counter spells. Najila just has combat to kill the stacks players because they're sitting there doing nothing and you're just carrying sideways with Najila and making land. Hold on, hold on here. No, I'm just saying I don't like this whole idea that like Turbo gets beat by stacks because people are going to see. I get this answer all the time. It's like, oh, you're playing a Turbo deck. You can't, you'll just never win the stacks matchup. And I'm just like, that's just not accurate. Like, that's not how these games play out. I'm not saying that Grix is unstoppable. It's just people think that they get a turn one rule of law, and like that just stops all these decks from doing things. But it's but it should be, but it should be accurate, Mikey. That is the cycle so of the it, sun. It, yeah, I, I still think that cycle is accurate when you have to realize that these fast decks are running blue. So I think the recent top sixteens make show that that's not accurate as well. To be oh, honest, oh come on, let's. let's <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm not saying I, that other strategies are not playable. I just don't like this idea that oh, the meta's fast. I need to start playing stacks to beat turbo because I just don't think it's accurate. I think that. So turbo how do decks... you beat? Tur- how do you beat turbo? Then tell us how to beat it. Do not give me the answer that the other turbo deck is how you beat the turbo deck. You ask wizards that... to print a breach level stacks piece, and then you put yeah. that in your deck. Yeah, we need something oh, yeah. as good as Breach <laughs> that slows the game down, and then we might be able to do it. Because going oh, fast just gives you options. Because it's like, like, I'm, like, obviously I think like stacks can help slow these plans down. It's just once that one stacks piece or two stacks piece gets removed, it's just like a field day. And then you have Oracle Console. Like, Rule of Law stops Oracle Console, sure. But, like, that still gets around, like, three ball, for the most part, Thalia effects. It gets around deafening silence, and you can if you have Tampa, you just do an end step Tampa and Oracle. It's just the these turbo decks have so many tools at their disposal that they can skirt around a lot of this stuff. So I think ultimately, yeah, but, but, but the mid range deck has the same tools, Mikey. Look, yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm just saying I don't like the idea that like stacks beats turbo, mid range beats stacks. Like I think mid range decks are perfectly viable. I just don't want them to be viewed as rock paper scissors. Like, you could do a mid-range plan, and you just need... That comes down to mulligans and having some of these silver bullets, such as, like, Ian and his Tibet deck, was running Digger's Cage. Like, I think that's the way you need to approach these things. It's just, I don't like this ideology where stacks always beats turbo, mid-range always beats stacks, like, I just, and then turbo beats mid-range or whatever. Like, I just don't like this rock, paper, scissors, or this cycle that people like to mention. I think so mid-range is we, pretty viable. It's how just, should you, we think about it? Look, I'll, 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 I'll indulge you. Know, <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. so uh, you can look at Ian's Tivit list. Uh, it wins the game, is my thing. Right. Um, I find that a lot of these stacks lists, or slower lists, I guess, if you want to call them that, are... Uh, when I when I first started playing this format, it, it was told to me that if I'm going to play stacks, it's to slow the other people down, like a turn or two or three, so I can get my win con down and win. Uh, but f- I feel like somewhere along the way, this got lost and people were like, you know, I just don't need to play any of that. I can just, I'm going to just try to beat everyone to death or something stupid like that. And they don't actually pack their deck with a actual combo or something to win the game and, you know, end the game, uh, kill all three players or whatnot. Um, right. I don't know when this happened exactly or why it happened. Uh, but I think... I think those players need a wake-up call. Look at Ian's Tivit list if you want. Um, I mean, I play Tivit as well. Uh, I talked to Ian a little bit about that deck before the tournament and whatnot. Um, that deck wins the game. You have your one-card 
WinCon with your commander in time save your Oracle consult. But you know, you can also put down the Graph Digger's Cage. You can put down a Cursed Totem. Personally, I was on Rest in Peace. I don't think Ian was. You can put that down as well. Um, really slow down the game. Just to, you know, disrupt your opponents with a piece or two. And then just put your win on the stack and win. Um, I think they're missing that latter part of it. They they can disrupt the game, sure, and it's annoying, as I say. Like I'm like, oh, I'm annoyed. Cool, you're slowing the game down, making me play more turns, but I'm still gonna win. I never feel the threat that the other person is gonna win from a lot of these decks. So I think that's what they need to be doing. They need to be winning the game as well as, well as disrupting the game. Yeah, that's why it's like, when Noda works because you put so much pressure on the table. But a lot right. of these other random decks where it's just like, ha I play Rule of Law. You'll never beat me. It's like, you're just giving me time to sculpt my hand and find a way to, to get around this. So, and they, but, and they just don't have an efficient way to close out, because how are you closing out through a Rule of Law other than combat? Yeah, so the, the issue with it, I think, is that it's hard to slow down the game and also win. And and that's kind of been the, the, the problem in multiplayer um prison decks or stacks decks or mid-range, whatever terminology you want to use. It's hard to slow down the game because if it depends on the pod variance. Mid-range is a better deck with another mid-range deck at the table because they strive off each other. Um, but if there's a 3 non three x nos deck and you're the only so-called stacks player at the table you're just going to lose the game, right? And and that's the thing. And because at the end of the day, I think a lot more people gravitate to the, the turbo life or because, you know, winning on turn two seems so flashy and you get to play whatever, twenty a 20-minute 20 turn and dirtle yourself and make you feel well about it. That's how you want to play this. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Twenty minutes in concede is insane's go to, but um, you just want to dirtle and get there. And oh well, I play in my twenty minute turn and I pass. Well, if that's the case, just I mean, I don't know, I don't know. I really want, for me personally, I would like mid range to thrive. Um, I don't know what that list is. Um, I don't know where the list is. I keep saying that is Hulk. Um, and Hulk is the only so-called hate bear strategy out there. Um, Urza is coming up. I also said Urza to me was the so-called best prison deck in the format. Winoda is not a stack stack. I don't care who wants to fight me on this. It's uh, not. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, it's an aggro it's, deck. It's an aggro deck. It's an aggro deck. Stacks by accident. <laughs> stacks pieces it's synergize a, with its plan, so you play with them. its plan. Yeah. It's not stacks. I don't care. What you want to tell me about it? Oh, it plays Archon of Iberia. I don't care. It is, the Archon is an enabler for the Winota. It's not stacks. It doesn't mold to stack pieces. It doesn't mold to a null rod. It doesn't do these things. It's an aggro deck. Winota is not in the category. But any other way, Blood Pod, Blood Pod has seen this day. Um, I think people have finally let that deck die. Um, it, the Tim Natana shell has now become a Hulk shell or a Hermit Droid shell or what. But I think that's kind of the strategy that is out there. So um, we went off on a tangent. But, um, uh, that's all right. <laughs> I yeah. know I love these play, conversations. <laughs> play 
as as the Eminence guys are saying, play Grixis core if you want to top sixteen. Um, that's not what I I'm saying. That's maybe what Mikey's saying. I'm just saying that's what Mikey's play, saying. Okay. Play, to, play to win the game. Put win cons on the stack. Like just win the game. That's win all I'm asking game. you to do. Play faster and win the game. However you go about these things without cheating, please remember this. Oh yeah, don't Do cheat. Do not try that, to win the game. Money. But, oh yeah, yes. don't cheat. So, if you cheat in an eminence event, I will ban your account. We can do yeah, that now. Be, you will never play another tourney again. <laughs> yeah, you'll be blacklisted from everything. And then Chaos. Chaos is my boy. I'll, I'll, I'll pass it to one of them. You won't be able to play in their shit either. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cheaters, I believe. If you cheat on a webcam or in person, I don't know I've heard I haven't heard any cheaters being caught in, in person, but cheaters on webcam has been completely deleted from I don't I don't want to say the EDH scene because I am not in any casual EDH servers, but I believe they're 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 at least deleted from the competitive Discords um server if you try to cheat in an EDH webcam tournament. So please, if winning the game by cheating, do not do that. But do attempt to win the game. That is that is what you can take away from this podcast. If you're going to pay money, pay money to win. Um, so with that aspect of it, what would be the top five decks you should bring to a webcam or in-person tournament? I got to top attempt- 10 for you. <laughs> you got a top 10. I have yeah, a top ten. Zane and I worked on this 10. together, so this shares my opinions as well. This is top ten right. in order by Zane. Maybe I'll make a Moxfield bookmark with it too. Anyways, actually, before you do this, where we were talking about where we could find the the data, the deck list for all these uh, eminence so far. Where can we find this? Uh, well. One, you can go to our Moxfield at M- uh, our. I think our Moxfield is like Eminence MTG. Um, you can find lists there. We have bookmarks. Uh, but also, um, if you actually go to a bracket page for a tournament, uh, we make the deck list public after the, each event. So you can actually go in there. You can look at the top 16 lists. You can see who played them, what the pods were in the, in the top 16 or in all the Swiss rounds. And you'll get look at all the pod compositions like, oh, this deck was in first seat against these following decks. And you can see all those deck lists card for card. It's something I always wanted in the scene, and uh, I'm finally bringing it here. So, uh, very happy about that. Absolutely love the plug. All right, continue, good sir. Okay, yeah. Now, after that commercial break, I'm going to be giving you Zane's top 10 CEDH decks. Okay. Number one, Najila, of course. It's because I put. Yeah, bias. Okay. Rogsai, because I always lose to that deck, and I so, gotta put it at number two. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So number one, let's 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 start. I'm glad we put Rogsai number two. I think it should be number ten, but that's because I'm also biased. Um, which Najila list are we talking? Are we talking about the traditional Pongos list or the the new the truth is what I see people are calling it. Uh, I mean, I, obviously, I'm partial to the truth, but the reason I'm suggesting Najila as a list in general, I think it can play all the good win cons, your five color, and then you have that command zone, 
beats plan slash combo plan as well. Um, okay. I, I, I'm not going to get into play Pongo's list, play the stacks list, play whatever's list, play my list. Uh, but I mean, if you're playing five color, and remember I said you want to be putting the best win cons on the stack, please be on Breach. Please be on Nas. Like, play these cards. Be on Thoracle. Uh, that's the advantage of, of playing these colors. And then you, your commander also is like a clock and another combo piece. Just just do that. If you're not on Breach, you're wrong. This is not the Nijilo list that I'm talking about. Okay, so, so interesting. Yeah. It's, 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 it's pivots super well, because it's like you can do the turn two Nas thing because you have all that mana and, like, enablers. You can also just slam an Ajilo and then eventually find the Derevi Grim Hireling Druid's Depository insert combo an Ajilo combo piece. But like having the five colors and access to all those tutors just lets you pivot super well. So for instance, you could get the Druid's Depository off your inline tutor or the Breach. Uh, your intuition can set up uh, Druid's Depository stuff or Breach stuff as well now too. So it's just you have so many options and you're able to pivot so on. I don't think any other deck has that level of options or pivotability in the format. Plus, you just have an Ajilo that just can win games if. I don't know, is like six combats or something like that? It's just six like, combats, yeah. Yeah, which is I, not... I will quote Charles here a little bit, actually, because he told me a long time ago to play a deck that can beat the most amount of, I guess, board textures or board states, and I think that's Najila. I can beat a lot of board states with a Najila deck. Like, there's nothing that I really feel bad at playing into. That's why it's my so number in, one. <laughs> so indirectly, play the trust. Do not play stacks or dedicated pong. Um, not dedicated Najila list. All right, continue, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, number two, uh, Rog Silas. Uh, Rog Rex Silas. Um, okay. Mainly referencing uh, Bryant Cook's The Epic Storms list here. Uh, deck is very fast, but can play a little slower, put its uh, advantage is down with like Rhystic Study and whatnot, and kind of just you can just win. Um, having a zero mana commander just turn on a bunch of stuff, and just the sheer amount of mana you have in the deck to pay off ratio is just great. Uh, it's really hard to go wrong there. Um, and obviously, you can play Breach, so it's good. Um, yeah. number three, I'm gonna be putting a, a blue farm here. Um, I find that when I play this deck, I'm actually not casting my commanders that often anymore, but the option is there for me to go in there, draw some cards, play the game a little slower if I feel like I have to, and then just drown everyone in advantage. Um, number four is Winota. I think this is very powerful. I think it's proven itself to be very powerful in a lot of different tournaments. It's won or topped a lot, many, many events uh, now. Um, yeah, it's just an aggro deck. I'm not going to say this deck is skillless or anything, because it's not. You need to be able to know what you're putting down with your window triggers, when to put the window down and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, number four, Winota, uh applies immense pressure to the table, actively forces me to mulligan differently because I'm playing against Winota. Number five, uh, and, and my number five and number six are kind of like similarly tied to my one, one and two. Uh, number five, I'm going to put Ichrom, so Sans White, but you can also do uh, Thrasios Vile. In fact, Thrasios Vile might be the superior one here. Um, this deck gets access to Calling Ritual, uh, excellent card, uh, and then you can do the regular Grixis stuff with access to some decent green pieces like Worldly Tutoring for Docksides or Veil of Summer, things like that. Uh, so just powerful magic things, and then uh, Thrasios or Chrom, you can draw cards, uh, albeit a little differently, depending on which one you're playing. Uh, the other commander doesn't really matter. Ikra doesn't matter. Vile Smasher doesn't matter. Sorry, Greg. Um, number six here is uh, Core Vault. 
Uh, I think Horvald is able to do the Jun thing uh, very well. It does it the best. It draws a lot of cards. Its combos are powerful. You just get Dockside. You can basically win the game. Uh, the rest of the meta uh, would be shooting yourself in the foot by not playing Artifact uh, Acceleration, so the Dockside's always going to be good here. Uh, Ashani, I know the Corvald is dear to your heart, so if you want to chime in here and just shield the deck, you, you can go ahead and do that. No, absolutely. I think it's great put it under the top 10. I have no arguments here. Um, <laughs> best, best, best John deck out there. Um, not sure that the, Dar the Dargo fans there, but Corvald, Corvald's fans on top. But no, I agree with it so far. Glad to answer. At number seven, I have Kenrith. Um, there's just a lot of different ways you can go with this deck. When you when I see a Kenrith across the table, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to be playing against. Uh, it could be Hermit, could be Breach, could be a mid-range, could be Turbo. I don't know. Five Colors affords it a lot, and the Commander just has a lot of words on it. So mm -hmm. uh, if you're able to get it out, it enables a lot. Um, also does some cool Dockside stuff, I guess. Um, at number uh, eight here, I have Malcolm Plus. So uh, really, I'm just talking about like Malcolm Vile or Malcolm Tana. Um, deck is good. You have the one uh, one card win con with the commander and Clint Horn Buccaneer and just ways to get that out. Or you can try to win other ways if you're playing Grixis or like Niv-Mizzet or any of those cards. Lots of ways this deck can go, but it's pretty consistent. Um, once you kind of understand how it works, it's pretty easy to beat, but I think it still belongs in the top 10 because uh, other decks are... They can't beat it um, if it's able to do its thing. Um, number nine, I have uh, Timna Thrasios. Uh, really has fallen from when I first started playing CEDH when this was like the best deck. I think TNT is um, just a tad too slow these days, but it's still able to play some really good uh, cards. Like, uh, like you can put hate bears down and whatnot, kind of be more disruptive. I don't think the drawing cards with Thrasios and like putting things down and trying to draw cards with Timna until I can win is like a really valid strategy anymore. But uh, it, it still it still can do its thing. It doesn't have red, which is a big problem, so you can't play Breach, so that sucks. Uh, but it has Calling Rituals, so Calling Rituals is good. Um, and then uh, at number 10, I have Karakashima. I think this deck puts out enough results to belong in the top 10. I think... Uh, it's difficult to interact with, especially if you don't know what's going on, don't know when to interact with it, or uh, you, you've just taking a line you've never seen before, it'll beat you uh, if you're not prepared. Uh, I think it's made enough as well to belong on this list here. And uh, it's definitely a deck that also makes me shift my mulligan strategy, which is, uh, I can't say that for every deck. So, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's a solid top 10. And Mackie, you, you agree with this? Yeah, we've worked on that list together. I think my order might be different for like a couple of them, but the general sentiment's all there, and the top five is exactly the same in that. Okay, in that I, I agree a lot with it. I'm glad Kark was on there. I think um, for whatever stigma that deck has on it, I think is a great deck. Is a good tournament deck, especially. Do not play the deck if you do not understand how it works, because all you're going to do is cause a bunch of headaches for other people. Also, and please be good at stack man management. Have your tokens. Yes. Like, all the people I know who play a lot of Kark, they all have a million tokens. They have trigger tokens. They have mana tokens. They have copy tokens. So, like, you're not just seeing a Sakashima. It's like, they all have, like, 10 copies of Kark. Like, if you're going to play the deck, commit. Like, the deck's okay. really cool. It's a lot of fun. But please make sure that you can keep the stack obvious because when it gets confusing, 
everyone just gets angry. Like yeah. it's not, people get angry. It's a bad time. And this is why this deck has a bit of a stigma because people aren't able to track it well. And part of that is on inexperienced pilots. Part of that's also on people just not knowing how the deck functions. So make it easier for everyone and make sure you track everything as best as you can and have more than enough tokens. Because yeah, I, magic, players, magic players already have a tendency to not like storm decks or decks that take um, a lot of time trying to win the game. So you already like gain hatred from that. But just please, if you're going to commit to the deck, Commit fully. Whoever makes these super cool tokens that you see can play with, order those, order whatever you need to order, but just make sure you have visible tokens so people can see how you're represented the board. Just the board say that's Mikey said. It makes the game more enjoyable. You can see what is happening. And that's that's all I have to say about Carcass Sad to see Team Star Seals um not not up there anymore. I do agree that it has fallen from its mighty days of flash. But um Hey, that's the format. This list could change as soon as next year even. Um I think is this true. is this list is like what you'll see generally in top sixteens. I think it's very I think a lot of players focus in on top four or what one. Don't think that's correct if you want to be playing C E D H tournament CEDH, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. Um, you need to look at the top 16 landscape, see what's getting there consistently and why, and then you'll be able to also top these events. All right, so my my, we're kind of coming to the end of it is, um, should you play the best deck or the deck that you're most comfortable with? Meaning, the deck you have the most reps with, the deck you believe you, you know, us EDH player like to say we have a connection with the deck. You know, you've put time, effort, all of the things. You play your pet cards and you feel like this deck is viable. What what should you do if we're talking about playing it at a tournament scene? Should you pick up the best deck? Or, like, is reps important on a deck? Is my pretty much my question. I think this is a dangerous question, Shani. Okay. <laughs> but I, I'm going to give a, a, the most nuanced answer I can give because, you know, we're hosting these events out here. I'm not going to exactly right. just tell people, yeah, you need to play this because, you know, everyone's reason for playing a tournament, which is something that I struggled with a lot, was I couldn't understand why other people played, wanted to play tournaments for different reasons than me. People have different reasons for playing tournaments. Some people want to play the deck that they like. Some people want to see how far they can bring their personal brew forward. Um, some people are like, I, I'm here to win it, so I'm going to play the person, like the best deck that I see, that like the most meta deck possible. Um, so that that really depends on like what deck you want to be bringing. Me personally, you know, I like to try to win events. Um, it's been a while though. But at least I get some tops. Uh, I would personally just bring one of the top five decks that I listed there uh, on my list. I'd bring like an Agila or a Rogsaz, Blue Farm or Winota. Just bring one of those decks and try to win if you're trying to really win the tournament. Um, but I mean, obviously you can, you can get, you can get to top 16 with sweet brews. I saw an Ivy list, uh, this past weekend at the Moss master. That's, that's yeah. sick. Like congrats to that person, uh, for bringing that list there. I hope, uh, they accomplished what they wanted to with it. Mikey. Um, I'm with Zane. Like 
I know as much as I like, preach about how I think Grixis is the best and everything, ultimately, like I said, we're I hate all these acronyms for C, D, H, T, H, etc. Just play what you want to play. Play what you have fun with. It just happens to be that I also have fun with like Grixis stuff. I think if you are going to the tournament with the mentality to win, I think you should have a reality check and find one a deck that is really well suited right now or really strong and really try to win it. I, but if you're just trying to have fun and you want to show off a deck, you know, you do you. Have have fun with it. Play whatever sparks joy. You know, I'm not here to tell you what to play. I can give my recommendations, but it's just up to each player at the end of the day. And we've seen time and time again rogue decks are able to do well. And we even see this in modern, legacy, etc. Not so that the decks are rogue, but, you know, Amulet Titan, I think, is a perfect example of this. Where the deck is consistently good, but it's not rare. It's rarely, like, the best deck. Right. However, if you go to an event and people aren't ready for it and their sideboards don't have it, Titan just spikes the event easy peasy. And you can see that too with like Dredge and other formats where if people aren't sighted for Dredge, you just die to Dredge, even though the deck isn't particularly powerful at the moment on its own so, compared to other things. So my my, my question is to for, for the people who normally spike events with those decks, you would call those people normally the expert of the deck, right? This is the deck that have been playing since... Amulet Titan has been, you know, conceived or whatever word you want to use there. Um, so, if if it's reps important, like there was a thing when I started EDH, uh, where you should play a hundred games on one deck. Are you <laughs> no uh, playing fifty <laughs> no. games on one deck? Like no, no, you no, should no. master I... the deck. You're not you're not a believer. No, I just think people overinflate the testing process. Like, okay. I don't think you need 100 games, 1,000 games to know a deck. I think if you play a deck for 5 to 10 games, you got it. Like, obviously, there's some nuance here and there. You might not be as good at some things versus other things. But I think 5 to 10 games will tell you, is this a deck I like? Is this a deck that I'm good at? Does it fit my play style? After that, you don't, like, I see so many people that just make themselves miserable. They're like, oh, I need to play this deck 100 times to see yeah. what, what what's good about it. And I refuse to change a single card in those 100 games. I'm just like, you're clearly not having fun. You're only on game, like, 11. Maybe switch lists. And it's like, no, I have to. Like, otherwise, I don't know the deck. And it's like, no, like, you clearly are, you've, you've done the thing. Like, even in my testing process, when I was, like, helping Zane, Drake, and other people uh, in my play, my play group get ready for tournaments, it doesn't take us 50 games to figure out if we like certain cards. We play it, and in five games, if the card was irrelevant or, like, it just proved to be not great, we cut it. Like, you don't need... People overinflate the need for data. Like, you don't need to be playing these hundred games, these thousand games. Like, you can figure this out in a lot Yeah, much more the place. average player isn't good enough to interpret the data anyways. It's, like, not worth it. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think one more addendum to what you want to bring to a tournament. I mean, if you think you're good enough to make an anti-meta list or you think you have the meta figure out and a way to counter it, you should, and you, and you want to do that, you, should, you can bring that deck too. I think the tippet list was a pretty good example of that. Um, just make sure whatever you're playing, you're getting what you want out of the tournament, out of the game and whatnot. I, when I don't want to play magic anymore, I just don't play magic anymore, but I, I like tournaments. I like, I like EDH for the most part. Uh, I like winning so that I play things that let me do that. Uh, the best that I think it, it will let me. So, um, I don't know. I, I think I came into that old school habit of the 100 games is a little much, but playing 50 games on a deck, I think I think the deck you have the most reps with and the, the deck you're most comfortable with, you'll do the best at. And I, 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 I'm I a believer on that, but recently I've been just saying, 
play good cardboard and the good cardboard will carry you there. And that's also true. So I don't know where I stand anymore. Um, I've I infected big, you with the play A little bit crisis. of identity crisis, I see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of identity crisis. I was a big believer in that, you know. Just let it go, Ashani. Just let it no, go. A, <laughs> I, was, I was a big guy that said blue. Blue is a crutch. Blue is for bad players that need to have their counter spells to help them win games or whatever weird reasons I had. And playing Sans Blue is how you got better. And I still believe that. I think playing Sans Blue if you want to become a better player. It teaches you to pay attention to the game. Pick your points because you don't have your blue crush spells to help you win. Um, but here I am with identity crisis and play good cards, guys. I don't know where I'm at anymore. I'm at a crossroads and one day we'll choose a side. Here, Shani, I-, I can help you. You should play cards that remind you of why you first started playing competitive EDH. Yeah, that, that's just horrible and get wrong. That, yeah, that's, play, that's, play that's what my heart says. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I play in my play group, and then they said, okay, I don't Will you six about, times? Will you six times? And they're like, oh, hey, you're not, you're not in blue. I don't care what you're doing. And I'm like, <laughs> And then they're like, oh, you're better with blue cards. I'm like, okay, you, you caught me down. You destroyed my ego, and then you rebuild it with blue cards. Not a fan of it, but this is what is currently happening. And also, if you just want to be better, get a play group. Um, if you're very, if you're serious with um, playing in tournaments, trying to win tournaments, get people of the same mindset. Iron sharpens iron. Um, oh yeah. Be personal test groups are amazing. <laughs> yes, they're amazing. I think that we all know we're all on the same page. I think. Too, so. it, even the cash card unlimited winner, the one who won the Black Lotus, I mean, that there was like a group of 10 people in Vegas who just brute tested against each other and whatnot. Get a test group. It's it's so good. That, I believe that's one of the things. Um, it's very big in six accord formats. I know when I um, played Legacy in my local scene, we used to like, before um, SCG events, we'd have a month of just testing the top tier decks, have a have a, a gauntlet where you just go through all the lists. And I think that's what um, EDH missed, um, at least when I started. You have your own personal playgroup, but to, get, to, to let people, to help them to get better as a unit is really, it's really, it's, it's a great feeling. Um, I've been experiencing recently with helping people get the the best 98 or 99 card you can go when you have different minds on one list. So find people you share the same passion with for whatever commander, whatever thing is, and just get a group of people and just go through it. You will, you guys will go to tournaments and you'll celebrate the win as a team. I think that's my favorite part. Like I, I haven't played in a single commander event ever, but each time that there is a commander event, I'm getting super hyped because like Zane competes a lot. Our friend Gustav competes a lot, who made the top four playing with power. Uh, there's a bunch of people that we play with and are friends with. You know, I might not be in the games telling them what to do, but it's like we're all part of a testing group. Like we are constantly tweaking lists with each other. We're constantly playing games with each other, trying to see what are the weaknesses. How do I play X matchup? So when you go as like a unit or just have people who are all testing with you, 
it's just awesome because then they go to a tournament, even if you scrub out or something, you still see three of your friends in top 16. And like, that's awesome. Yeah. It's just a really satisfying feeling because you can't win them all, but it's nice that there's always a silver lining there. Then it's like, Oh, I didn't do well, but you know, Gustav and Ian did really well. They're yeah. part of our play group. So like, that's dope. Well, you, you might want to self-reflect sometimes. And maybe you're just saying I'm a bad player and that's just a skill issue. And that's okay. Um, yeah, one day, I'm yeah, losing I haven't won a game in two weeks now. <laughs> oh, wow. What a scrub. Mikey's um, yeah, just bad. So, yeah, there's one last night. What are you doing? I'm becoming a full time TO. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Whatever. Um, any. All right. So, cool. We're, we're about to wrap up. Any closing thoughts, guys? Yeah. Just, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go for it. Yeah. I mean, if you think you have a good deck you want to prove is, is just like the, one of the best, uh, it should be up there. You think you're a good player, you want to show something off in EDH, um, or you just want to get you want to get better. Uh, we're holding these events out here. We're holding five uh, in person. Wait, five, four or five in person events next year. We have the online events for, uh, coming up as well. Uh, it's out there. Uh, come, prove your medal, prove your worth, whatever you want to call it. Uh, let let's see these. Uh, let's see the, how diverse the meta could be. Let's see what you can bring to the table. Uh, very excited to see uh, what you, as a player listening to this, can do in a tournament EDH, as I think they call it. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, just ultimately. You know, we're trying to have these events to help the community out, whether you just want a space to play games and have like a bunch of people around and you just want to have the more friendly social aspect, go for it. If you have that competitive edge and you want to prove yourself, also go for it. Also, as Drake and I always say on our podcast, The Miscast, if you disagree with what we say, you know, we're always down to play games. And, you know, if you think that we're talking out of our asses and think it's nonsense, you know, let's play some games together and we can see what goes on. I'm not saying... You know, I'm saying I always relish a challenge. So, you know, if you ever come to these events and you want to play against us and see why we uh, see like our Nagila list or things like that, just go for it. Also, stay tuned for Command Tower public release. It'll happen probably mid-November. And hopefully, you know, if you have a shop that's been talking about running Commander events but doesn't know how to do it, get them in touch with us. Uh, they can try out the software, and then maybe you can start to have a weekly CDH event at your own local LGS. That's ultimately the goal of Eminence. We're not trying to put a monopoly on anything. We want to run good events. We want to make sure that there's just a plethora of them for everyone to enjoy and help bring up the community together. We're big fans of uh, Rising Tide Raises All Ships, so we do a lot of stuff to help out with chaos and things like that. And we're just trying to help the community and have events be as accessible as possible. And that's our that's our whole goal. All right. Well, once again, a big thanks to our sponsors, TC Rockets. Make sure you give us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast aggregator. You'll be surprised how much it helps. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and more. All links are in the episode notes. Well, that's about wrap up this episode of the podcast. Tune in next time when we talk about our favorite format in our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. 